What's up, party people? This is Stephanie Ghostin Paul. You've made it to the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. Take Nothing When I Die amplifies and celebrates the wisdom and genius of people who've managed multiple careers in one lifetime. Welcome to the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Ghost and Paul, and you are listening to episode number eight. I'm telling you, y'all are in for a treat today. Before we hop into all the goodness that we have for you, I just want to say, I know some of y'all are quarantined, some of y'all are self-quarantined, some of y'all have been forced to quarantine. This would be a perfect time to binge on the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. So you got episodes one through eight jam-packed with wonderful guests, amazing wisdom. You got some solo episodes in there and all kinds of gems that I just know you want to soak up. So once you do binge, do not forget to rate and review. All you got to do, take two seconds, click that five stars and take a few minutes to say, hey, I really enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to also check out the show notes. So some of y'all are surprised when you say, oh, Stephanie, you didn't tell me. I'm telling y'all now, the show notes can be found at www.stephanieghostin.com slash T-N-W-I-D. So this week on the show notes for Marielle's episode, you will see Kid President. He will make an appearance. So you have to check it out. Anything mentioned on the podcast, any resources, any memes, any jokes, any background story, how-tos, those will make it onto the show notes. And then just take a second to connect with us on social media. I know you play on the interwebs. So if you're on Twitter, we are T-N-W-I-D. And if, and if you're on Instagram, we are at Take Nothing When I Die, all spelled out. It's really, really important that you follow us on both channels. This week, we'll be putting out a call to the audience, and I want you to respond. I'll be asking folks, what kind of content do you want to hear? Do you have a question for me that I can answer on air? Is there a guest that you want to hear from, or do you have a special request? So make sure you follow us so that you will not miss that call to ask you what you want to hear on the show. I also have an update on my travel tips. So as you listen to the episode, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So stay tuned until the very end of the episode. Now let's get into episode eight. Guest, the wonderful Mariel Kanene. He is sharp. He is creative. He connects the dots in just a magical way. One thing I really appreciate about him is the depth of thought and intention he brings. And this could be to a physical space, a blog post, a job, a friendship. It really just is special to see and experience that from him. But let me get y'all his official bio so you can hear about all of his multifacetedness. By day, Mario spends his days slowly trying to change the world, one meaningful interaction at a time. As the U.S. Strategic Partnerships leads for Ubongo, a pan-African edutainment company, Mario works to mobilize support and funding in the U.S. and beyond for Ubongo's work in Africa, which focuses on using top quality, localized educational entertainment to help Africa's 44 million kids learn and leverage their learning to change their lives. 
When Mariel's not in the office, he spends his free time writing and crafting stories on people, place, and purpose for his blog, theartofperspective.co. When he's not blogging, he invests his time in various athletic pursuits, and he's building his fitness brand called Gym with MK. Marielle was born in the Congo. He grew up in Dallas, Texas, became a grown-up in D.C., and now resides in Los Angeles, California. Here's the interview with Marielle. So we have Marielle on the mic today. We're so excited to have you sharing with our audience. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. And hi, everyone listening and uh, watching. (laughs) Yes. So I like to open up the podcast just seeing where in the world are you and tell us how you're really, really doing. Not like the fake Oh, yeah, I'm good, whatever, whatever. Like, tell us the real, what's what's really going on? What's really going on? All right, well, so at the moment, you guys are catching me in Long Beach, California. I am here in my co-working space office. Feeling pretty good in terms of, you know, the weather is beautiful, sun is shining in Southern Cali. But this morning, I I got a workout in, and I was – doing this like I don't know just dumbbell jumping jacks and I actually hit my head with a 15 pound dumbbell and so it hurts still a little bit luckily there's no uh what is it there's no concussion that came out of it concussion however you say that beautiful word or unbeautiful word uh but so besides that I'm doing great you know (laughs) <laughs> do you need to seek medical help like should we pause and uh, um I, i'll let you know in the middle of it if uh if i if i start seeing something funny but at the moment i'm i'm doing okay 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 good <laughs> good to know good to know so and for me i answered the question too so how i'm doing today i had like a busy like a really busy day but it was like busy with me taking care of myself. And so that was really cool. It was like cool to be consumed with just taking care of myself today. So that was kind of dope. And I'm also really important. Yeah, it is. It really is. Like I sometimes I have to fight myself to center myself. And so I'm also just really looking forward to the weekend um, resting. I have a lot of rest in my plans for this weekend. Nice. I mean, it's also ahead of a very crazy travel schedule for you too, right? Yes, that's the other thing. I have to figure out my travel, like, cadence. I'm either, like, on the road three weeks in a row, or I'm, like, at home two months in a row. So I want to, 2020, I'm making the commitment. I'm going to be better with my travel schedule and, like, better, like, pre-travel, during travel, and post-travel. Because I also find, too, that, like, my eating, my sleeping is off when I travel. So, like, I need to get it all squared away. Well, uh, once you do, please share those tips with me as well, because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> will do. And, of course, we will hear more about Jim with MK. And so, like, I need to know how, to, like, how do I exercise on the road, too? Like, I need, I need okay. those tips in my life. Yeah, so I've got that part down. It's just 
the whole sleeping and eating is also a struggle. So, and uh, now you're going coast to coast, so you're losing hours and then gaining yeah. hours. Oh yeah, yeah. And the the tips will come out. In the meantime, melatonin has been my best friend. That's really all I can offer you. Like that's that's all I got right now. Yeah, but you gotta be careful with melatonin because <laughs> sometimes. What? Is it bad? Put you out. Well, no, no, no. It's it's great. It's uh, it's been a friend to me as well. But I'll knock you out, and there's been mornings where I'll wake up like, what? <laughs> you know? See, uh, melatonin because the sleep was so good. Melatonin makes me refreshed, which is, but I don't take it all the time. Like even the first night of being on the road, I have a I have a hard time like sleeping on the road too sometimes because i'll wake up and be like where am i like where the hell am i but yeah i don't i don't wake up groggy now other like sleep i try like zz quill and like all that that stuff it's hard for me to get up like i've tried uh my doctor prescribed like some ambien like i i can't do any of those other drugs so i melatonin i think it works with your body chemistry and depending on how often you take it and all that stuff yeah, a lot of athletes actually use that um, to enhance their training so they can get that full night's rest as well. So. Oh, and it's natural. Like, it's it's natural. Yeah. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm doing air quotes, but it's natural. It's natural. Well, yeah, natural enough. <laughs> natural enough, okay. We'll not, not, we'll not trigger the drug test. We'll, we'll not get right. a positive on the drug test. Exactly. Okay. exactly. Okay. Like, if you're an Olympian, it's okay to take. Got it, got it, got it, got it. We're safe. Okay, so all Olympians, you know what to do. So let's get into the questions. You know this podcast is really about celebrating and amplifying the genius and wisdom of people who've managed multiple careers, seemingly unrelated, air quotes again, um, in one lifetime. And so as part of that, you've lived in D.C., you've been in these spaces where the operative question is like, so what do you do? And there's a number of reasons why people ask that question. Sometimes we ask it, we don't even care what the person says. There's different intents behind it. When you think about that question and getting that question, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you dislike this question? And 10 is like, okay, last time I was like, 10 is like you want to choke somebody, but you don't, clearly, no violence. Or one is like, I love answering this question. I just love it. Hmm. I, I, I have to think about this. Because leaving DC, I was probably like at a 10, you know, like, oh, this whole environment of like the what do you do question uh, culture. But then I'll probably, it's still probably still hot. <laughs> I'll probably come in at probably at an eight right now. It's like, I don't necessarily want to choke someone. That's probably just on a case by case and environment basis. <laughs> But I do very much dislike that question because it's, I don't know, it, it just rubs off the wrong way to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you were to be asked a different question, what question do you want to be asked? And then go ahead and answer that question for our audience. Yeah, that's, I think a question instead of a what do you do, mm-hmm. which I mean, it might not sound super practical in a conversation, but I think I would rather have, 
you know, what wakes you up every day? <laughs> or, you know, like, what do you do to be true to your purpose every day? Um, or like, what's your truth or what's my truth? Those are around that, that theme. Because I think the question of what do you do and the negative connotation that comes with it is how can you help me um, do what I'm doing or like, you know, climb a ladder, ladder or open up a new door, you know, because DC does get that bad rep for being that type of city with that type of culture that what do you do culture? It really means like, okay, who do you work for? Like, how can you help me come up? And so I think a way to reframe our thinking around the what do you do, it's almost like if we're, if we're genuinely curious to know like what this person is like, what this person here sharing this space with you, what brings them here and, and what is their, I guess, ultimate calling for, you know, what you guys can share into conversation on. I think that's why I would, you know, kind of stare with, you know, what wakes you up every day? Like what, what is it that, that you're passionate about that we can, you know, encourage each other to be passionate about together? Uh-huh. And so for you, what is it that you're passionate <laughs> about? What, what wakes you up in the morning? Yeah. So I think what wakes me up in the morning is really the opportunity to, to, to one, be alive and the opportunity to create, uh, whether it's creating content for <laughs> my, my new fitness brand, Gym with MK, uh, or my personal blog, The Art of Perspective, or, you know, working to create content through my employer that's primarily focused on creating top quality educational content for kids in Africa and around the world. Just that opportunity, the opportunity to create, it makes something a value to yeah make something a value that you know in a way makes the world around us and those that we care about a little better is is really what drives me to wake up and say hey don't quit you know somebody somebody needs you today still in the words from a kid president here but like you know the world is better uh with us like waking up and creating and going after our our truth Yes. Shout out to Kier President. That's definitely going to make the show notes. I'm really excited about that and promoting his videos. And speaking of, as I think about kids, I want to ask you this question about what do you want to be when you grow up? It's something that we ask kids. We kind of push folks into things. When you get to college, you have to choose a major. Like there are all these choice points, but they're typically, those questions are typically safe for younger people. So for you as an adult who's adulting, what do you want to be or what do you want to do when you grow up? And can I know uh, someone who's adulting that's about to be 30 in <laughs> a month and 20 days? <laughs> Not that I'm counting or anything. Um, happy? I don't know. Um, I, I, I want to be just someone who... I feel like I've done a lot of work on this over the years and I continue to, but just like someone who is more confident in their own skin every day and more confident in my ability to contribute to a better society. Mm -hmm. 
and who, yeah, I just, I want to be a grown up that still has that childlike faith and, and, and um, curiosity um, and who, who's not afraid to dream of something new, you know, because like, I think we always set new goals for ourselves every day. And when we achieve it, um, that should be an opportunity to yes, reflect, but then also to, to, to continue dreaming. Um, we don't always have to dream big, but the opportunity to dream something is, is, is what I want to do when I grow up is to continue dreaming and, and uh, continue to create spaces where other kids, young adults or actual kids themselves have the space to, you know, grow up and, and dream and pursue and achieve as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. I just, yesterday I went to the NAP Ministries event. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, have you heard of NAP Ministries? Tell me more about that. No, it yeah. sounds like something I love. <laughs> it's so dope. Does involve NAPs? Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> Good. So um, Trisha, who is the NAP Bishop, has developed this collective napping experience. And what she does is have groups of 30 people or less take a collective nap and dream and vision. And then there's like a talk afterwards. And this one was a very particular one because it was tied to a a project here called the Black Mecca Project. But it was so cool to be in a room. I mean, it's, I mean, we have, I haven't napped on purpose since like a kid, you know, it's like it's mandated when right. you're in kindergarten. Like you, you might you might want to, but you're like, oh God. Yeah. We feel like we shouldn't or we can't or we don't have time. So she yeah. actually believes that rest is reparations. Like rest mm. is a political act, it is resistance, and it's a portal to our dreams our, and, and our visions. It's really cool. It that. was really fun. So that will also go in the show notes. Shout out to Trisha, who I got to meet last night. It just was, not only was it an individual, really cool experience, but to collectively nap too. She knows like the science of it. So there's some biology around what happens when people like sleep in the same room, like your breathing sinks after a while. So she saw our breathing sink together. She's been in spaces where people have had the same dream in one room, like don't two completely separate people who don't know each other have had the same mm-hmm. dream in that thir- in that 30 minutes, 30, 30 to 45 minutes. So I think it's super powerful. And I think it's under an underutilized skill or just like an underutilized, I guess it's not a skill. It's something that we know how to do. I think we unlearn, we unlearn how to, it's like beaten out of us. Like you can't dream like you got to be practical. You got to do other stuff. And so being in that space last night just reminded me, like, we need space to dream, to nap, to daydream, to vision. Like, that's really, really important, especially as I think about creating a future and creating space for other people, especially young folks, to also do the same. So you just spark that in And I mean, I think just an added note on that is, you know, creating space for other people, it's in order to do that, you have to <laughs> cultivate it within yourself too, you know, because then people can see someone from a similar background 
like doing exactly. extraordinary things and be like, yo, this dude or this this girl came from X, Y, and Z and they're doing that. Why can't I? You know? Exactly. So. Exactly. So powerful. So powerful. She said, well rested people will the revolution will be led by well rested people. So hmm. just saying, keep dreaming. <laughs> Keep napping. I'm writing that down. <laughs> and also, you'll see in the show notes, check out The Nap Ministry on all the platforms. I think I follow her on Instagram and Twitter. And she's got, I mean, there's more than just cool memes. She's she's more than a meme account. But just her, some of the captions are just amazing. Like, you need to rest. You are not a machine. And her, and there was something about her describing how rest is reparations that really, really resonated with me. I was like, Oh yeah, like duh. So check out Trisha Nap Ministry. Shout out to Trisha. So when we think about all the different things that you've done in your life, like there's been things that you've done as a side hustle, things that are passion projects, there's personal blogging that you've done, there your career has shifted over time. Has there been like a common thread throughout those careers? And talk to us about like, how do you package all of that? What what has that process been like? So I, I hear a lot of people say like, yeah, I do a lot of things or I want to do a lot of things, but I don't really know how to talk about it. I don't know how it all fits together. So talk to us a little bit about um, the, the if there has been a common thread throughout all the things that you've done. And then how do you, how do you package it? How do you put it together? How do you talk about it? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, it's definitely, as I think about it, I, it's it's taken me a bit, right, to, to actually look at it as something that's a package, right? Uh, when we maybe we can start with the blog and then work work around the career, you know, the people that are actually paying me, because the stuff I do on the blog uh, really started off as both a hobby and as a way for me to keep up with my writing. This was about I launched it about seven years ago, and right after, well, I'm about to age myself, but it was right after I finished undergrad, uh, mm-hmm. so this upcoming summer would actually be eight years that I've been blogging, but yeah, I, I launched it because I was like, still kind of figure out, figuring out what I was going to be doing for work. I got in this contract to do some like political campaign work, which, I mean, I didn't really see that as like my future, but I saw as a way for me to earn some income. But this blog piece was, hey, I want to, I want to do this, have a space to keep up with my writing. Who knows what can come of it? And so over the years, the blog has actually reflects my personal growth as well, and like the different stages of me as a as an individual, as a person, as a young professional. Uh, coming of age and now I can really say that it's almost like taken on its own personality that's beyond me which has been fun to witness and really be a part of um, in driving that and whereas my career has also kind of again like taken its own course again as I mentioned from doing political campaign work that then led me to working as a legislative aide in Texas. And then, you know, that was, thankfully it was only a year. And uh, let's just say I wasn't working for 
the uh, progressive side of things. And so after, you know, a, like a year into that kind of work, I was like, I don't really care for this like partisan space. But I think a common thread that I was finding was this piece of like social impact work. You know, uh, no matter what side of the political aisle you are on, if you're working in politics, you're doing social impact work. And so that kind of led me that's, uh, into my venture as an AmeriCorps Vista, which brought me to D.C. And I was working with an education nonprofit focused on school and family engagement in D.C. public schools. And then that eventually, like, you know, continued to snowball into my work into international development and working with the different DC contractors that do that type of work. But again, this common thread throughout, you know, whether it's political campaign work, whether it was my, my work through with DC public schools and then eventually with international development contractors, there's this common thread of like social impact. You know, I like, I wasn't making a whole lot of money at all. Like even on the campaign trail, I was like 20K a year when all my friends were moving down to Houston, <laughs> joining the oil business, making like 50, 60 out of the gate. And I'm over here like, I want to do something impactful, you know? And luckily, like over the course of uh, time, like my, my pay rate will like eventually catch up. And, but this common thread was, again, social impact, right? Until... At some point, I, you know, being in that world of DC, again, it's like this, what do you do? And even like within the social impact world, it's like, okay, like who are you doing it with? And like, how much are they, like, what's your, what's your, what's your pay bracket, you know, et cetera. And one thing that Max Stephanie that uh, told me once was, um, <laughs> They always say five years in D.C., uh, if you make it past five years, it means you lose your soul. <laughs> and I can never, I hated that he told me that because I could never shake it. Uh, and so as I was like approaching my five years, I was also seeing that like me, the mission of like social impact work was I was moving far, more, further and further away even working in international development, a lot of the work that I was doing was at a depth in DC. And it wasn't really direct service with the community that I most wanted to work with. And of course, like I was starting to finally get paid well, but it became less about the work and more about, you know, what I could, like what my pay rate was and what I could afford with these, with, you know, with my income. And I think that also kind of contributed to my growing disgruntled and just, I guess, living in DC. I always uh, kind of thought that it was going to be temporary, but it quickly turned out to be like a very transformative and place for me. I, I like to say <laughs> I, I grew up in I grew up in Texas, uh, Dallas, but I became a grown up in DC, hmm. and. So in that process, becoming a grown-up was also learning, you know, what is it that I want out of a career? You know, what about it? Uh, wh why do I get up every day? Why do I want to wake up and, like, report to an office every day? Like, what about the work do I want to do? And call me, like, an entitled millennial, but <laughs> I 
that again, it was this theme of social impact, mission-driven work, to where I could really feel that like I'm waking up, sure, earning a living to keep the lights on, but then also like my output was improving someone's life hmm. beyond just myself. Um, so yeah, I'll stop talking there. I think I went on a, I rambled a little bit, but I think, again, going back to your question of like that common thread. So whether it's like the blog, it's even the stories that we ended up uh, taking on too. I, I, I remember around like, what was it? 2014, 2015, you, uh, you, you were part of this conversation. So when we were discussing like, how should we cover Ferguson? You know, is this, is this a blog post that we should run? And like, how do we talk about it? Um, and we, we, a group of five, having that conversation, but there is also a conversation happening around the country yeah. uh, with like the bigger folks. And so this, this thread around like social impact, like what we're creating, what we're, what I'm investing my time in, had to have some type of social impact and i think this is probably why uh even jim m case is um is has come to has come forward because it i mean fitness has always been something that's been a part of every my everyday life um, when i moved to dc as i said i wasn't making a whole lot of money 16k a year uh, but the only thing, but what I did splurge on was a $30 gym membership to Gold's Gym. <laughs> and so it was, again, like a foundational thing for me to where it's like, I, I just, I, I needed it to, to keep my mind right. And then eventually it became, yo, I, I want to like double down on this. I, I'm already spending so much time at the gym and you know, I have people asking me about tips, et cetera. I'm not a certified trainer, so I'm not going to try to train you, but uh, hopefully what I can create at the moment until eventually I do become certified is, you know, content that motivates you and inspires you to, to go out there and also get your sweat. So again, just closing, wrapping it all up in terms of like this piece on social impact has been a common thread that I, I see in my career um that i don't know i just kind of i can't help but to shake and hopefully that i just hope that doesn't mean i'm going to be poor the rest of my life <laughs> i don't think so i don't think so <laughs> it seems like what you're it, from what i'm hearing is with every like nine to five job one you're getting closer and closer to what you love doing so you're you're back in that realm and then you have side hustles that are that could also bring in money too so i don't i can't, i don't see a way you could not be making money based on all the things that you you are doing and will do based on what you love so just putting it out there just name that thank you for that. <laughs> can you give us a specific example so when you talk about your nine to fives have really been mostly about social impact can you talk to us about how you solved a problem maybe in one area um, using skills or experience or knowledge from a different area or you know as you think about like your side hustle side hustle i'm, I'm using air quotes because it's like another job <laughs> just how you've 
use these transferable skills to do other things in your life? Hmm. That's a really good question. How do I use transferable skills to, to operate in my other pursuits as well? Probably the initial thing, the first thing that comes to mind is really mainly probably less so on the fitness and more so on the blogging and my um, my day-to-day job or I, I hate to say my day-to-day but uh, I guess my career job I, I even hate that but anyways um, writing yes. is a key is a key 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 component uh, whether it's writing a grant proposal or uh, crafting a beautifully written email so people can reply um that has been critical i um it's actually it's probably has been what has gotten me jobs to be honest and have kept me in in jobs and i think if it wasn't for that initial again from our uh previous question if it wasn't for that initial investment of like look i want to start this platform so i can keep mm-hmm. up with my writing even even when i when i i told to tell you the truth, I was not always confident in my writing. Hmm. I, it wasn't until I was getting ready to graduate and when I heard from a professor that was like, you write really, really well. And that resonated with me to where I was leaving school, yes, with a degree, but also wondering, like, what did I actually get out of this except <laughs> like knowing that I can write well, you know? So that, that's been my saving grace. Uh, but then also just um, being able to think entrepreneurially, being able to see an opportunity and, and run with it. Hmm. You know, it, it, it could be something as small as, oh, this would be a great uh, blog idea. And then boom, I turned it into an entire campaign <laughs> mm-hmm. or just, and then channeling that, like being able to, again, find inspiration in like my day to day to like filter that back in. And so even through my work right now through Ubongo, um, again, we're working on some really interesting things and having the opportunity to, uh, my main focus is again, fundraising, right? but having the opportunity to shape some of our content in terms of like, hey, I was having this conversation or, you know, what we're doing for kids in Africa is actually resonating with communities here in the U.S. as well. You know, we have diaspora and Black folks looking for media with representation for their kids and the young people in their lives. And so what we think only resonates in Africa actually is resonating with an audience here. And so how can, what can we do? Or how can I be a resource to like navigate us into engaging a market that we haven't really been thinking about? And so just like my, my ability to think entrepreneurially has been, has been also my saving grace in, in addition to writing because um, even before we started the call, stuff as we were talking, my transition to LA uh, wasn't really an easy one, but I, <laughs> I, I believed in myself enough to know that like I can 
I can hustle. I can pick up the jobs that I need to pick up to like pay the small bills that I can until I got to something more substantial. And mm-hmm. thankfully, you know, allowing myself grace too is I, I did arrive. It, it probably took a little longer than I wanted it to. Three months was probably longer, three months too long for me. But if I didn't have that, that mentality, that, that mentality of like, I know it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to bust my butt and like do the work that it needs to be done until I get to the point where I'm working towards getting. Um, so yeah, thinking entrepreneurially and writing has, uh, has, has been really two of the skills that has cross-cutted the different careers that now I'm, le- I'm learning to package into one. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think if I hadn't taken such a long, such a winding walk, not to say mm-hmm. like I'm, I've, I've arrived, you know, but if I haven't taken such a, such the walk that I needed to take, um, I wouldn't be able to really see like what I'm doing now is like a whole, like a full package. Cause I, I feel like honestly, what I'm doing in my, in the fitness space and what I'm doing in the blogging space feeds into how well I also do my job uh, with Ubongo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm still kind of learning how to like, you know, package it nicely as like a nice bowl. But it's it's been it's been it's been interesting to like find those three avenues of okay these are where I really want to focus my my efforts um and I don't need to take on anything else because that's plenty and if I can just like focus here on you know my vocation which encompasses these three avenues and if I can do it well then I will achieve career satisfaction in some way shape or form Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And there's two things that stand out for me. One, you basically just explained why I don't think you will ever be broke because you will bust your butt and make it happen, even if it's something that you're you're like, this is not on my path, but it's going to get me to where I need to go. So I think there are a lot of people that have a lot of money, but are insecure about their wealth. And there are people who have the ability to create wealth when they need it, which means they'll never be broke. And so like, I just, I just, I want you to hear what you just said and like really hold that. And then the other piece is that I love how you said you had to, you had to take the windy road to get to where you are. Not that you've arrived, but you're getting there because every basically everything that you've done before has prepared you for this moment including the skills the the storytelling the the writing the entrepreneurial spirit and like taking making something out of what what is coming up so i appreciate you for letting folks know that when i th- when you think about all of your 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 roles on the windy road have have you had a favorite role that's question one if you have it because some people are like no the windy road 
has been it's been a it's been a broken road it's been <laughs> it's been it's led me off the the beaten trail if you don't have a favorite role what have you learned by transitioning like maybe something that's been surprising to you about leaving one to go to another or how you got from one to another yeah so uh, i'll answer the favorite role because those both i think it also answers second part of your question it my favorite role was also a very humbling role i in the three months leading up to before i before i actually landed my career job um i i, I worked i think like was it three different jobs on a part-time basis oh four excuse me those four <laughs> One of them was I was a, a waiter slash host at a Tunisian restaurant. Um, and so that was my favorite role because uh, they gave us like a costume and, it, and I, I, I felt like Aladdin every night, basically. It was kind of cool. Uh, pay was crap. Uh, hours also crap. But uh, the owner, awesome. Awesome Tunisian guy. Very like family ran, you know cared about his staff and so again pay was crap but i got to dress up like aladdin you know and so again me being like this big kid mentality i loved it you know after like six years in dc having to be so serious <laughs> like i was almost i don't know it was, almost, it was kind of fun because i knew yeah. it was temporary or at, at least i, I hope <laughs> god willing it was temporary uh and so keeping that in mind, I was like, okay, well, it's at least giving me like hard cash at the end of every shift. Uh, and the cool thing is I get to dress up like Aladdin. Uh, but it was also humbling because I remember a moment where I was like screaming inside of me. I was just, I wanted to just scream out of frustration, but I had to keep it together uh, on the outside because you know, bless his heart, um, a fellow <laughs> co-worker there uh, was teaching me or, you know, showed me how to cut bread in a particular way, how the restaurant chooses to cut bread. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty standard. I got it. And so as I like start doing it, like he basically is just like, you know, comes in and like, uh, basically like micromanages me. And like tries to like tell me I'm not cutting the pieces exactly right, and I was just like inside I wanted to scream and be like, I have a fucking master's degree, I know how to cut bread, damn it, you know. And can we actually cuss on this? <laughs> yeah, you can cuss. You can okay. cuss. This is <laughs> not censored. Um, and so I was really, really, really mad, and it wasn't necessarily me being mad at him. It was more just me being more mad at myself for even having to, I guess, take this route that I, I put myself on. And it was also humbling though, because it was a reminder that, look, this is, you knew it wasn't gonna be easy. Mm -hmm. um, and just be one grateful that this was an opportunity out of the, the, all the ones that have like turned you down. That was like, hey, you know, come, earn a little bit of cash while you've got the time but yeah it was it was both like my favorite role 
for like silly reasons, but then also because uh, I just, the environment and like, again, interacting with the owner of the restaurant was, was very cool. But, you know, again, just that, that, ex- that moment of experience with that staff member was just like, and of course, there's also other moments where, you know, customers also make you feel super humble. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, um, you, they run up a bill of like a hundred dollars and like literally only leave you a dollar tip. And it's like, really? Mm-hmm. All right. You might as well just like not a tip. That would have been much more appreciated than the disrespect of you losing one dollar. So I, with that, like I, <laughs> I uh, have so much, uh, so much empathy and respect for folks that are in the service industry, especially from that experience and um, just for many other reasons. But yeah, that was both a favorite and uh, uh, and also a hard lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, we can do a whole podcast on service industry chronicles. Like I. Yeah, I have multiple service industry jobs, including retail. So that's a whole yeah. other retail and too. retail and food. Like I, yeah, that's a separate podcast. Stay tuned for that. Someone else start that because I'm really doing this over now. Um, okay, so we're almost we're wrapping up, but I do want to add a, a, a question, and I'd let Marielle know that there, this was an unscripted question. Okay. But it also, I think it just follows naturally from what we've been talking about. I know, and I've talked to people, I have clients, I have folks who have given me feedback on this podcast. I have like people in my life that are like, okay, that looks and sounds really cool, Stephanie and Mario, sounds good, but I can't do it. Um, Mm. You know, like, okay, cool. Like you were able to do this, 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 and cultivate this, 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 but that's not for me. So when you think about that comment, what do you think it is about you that's allowed you to do all of these things? What is what whether it's something that you feel like is innate or it's something that you've cultivated to allow you to have multiple roles, be resilient in the face of like, okay, got this three months, got to get on my grind. Like if someone was doubting whether they could do it, like what, what do you feel like has set you apart or has kept you going or has allowed you just to be who you are today hmm. that's, a, that's a really good question and she's right she didn't she didn't she prompted me but she did not tell me what this question was gonna be. but what it naturally because i feel like this whole podcast is about like i've done this and this and this and this and this yeah. and i think some of the limiting beliefs and the doubts that people have are like that's cool for you because you are this or you have this or you did this i could never do that And when I've asked guests, I mean, they've provided truthful and very wonderful answers about some of it may be innate, maybe, but a lot of it is not. So there's something that they've held on to or gotten grounded in or cultivated on their own in order to make this happen. And for you, if you think about that, what what would that be? Or it might, it could be multiple things. It could be one thing. Yeah. And I just want to also say this before I forget. I love the name, by the way, Take Nothing When I Die. It resonates so well. So I love the name. I think to answer your question, the first thing that comes to mind is 
I wasn't afraid to ask for help. It was, it was very uncomfortable. Um, and, and asking for help involves like asking for monetary help from friends, which was also very uncomfortable. And I'm still paying those back. Um, asking for help in, in the sense of, hey, if you have a couch I can sleep on, which mm-hmm. even more uncomfortable, having like worked so hard to be so independent and just like asking for help in the sense of like me needing to be honest with people. It's like, hey, I'm actually, it looks good, right? It sounds good. I'm moving to LA. It sounds good. <laughs> but like moving, even like my move to DC, like moving to these like foreign metropolitan cities is not easy. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, it's just not easy. It's hard to navigate. And, and so I think having grown up, having people in my life that were always willing to help in some way, shape, or form, you know, not necessarily always in a monetary way. Um, I think that experience has, has allowed me to not be afraid to ask for help, even when it's super uncomfortable. And so I had to, again, through this whole process, continuously remind myself to have to get rid of that ego. Whether it's this guy like telling me, well, actually you should cut bread this way. I'm like, bro, <laughs> how many times you just showed me how to cut that bread? I know how to cut bread. It was like, that was my ego creeping up. It's like, I have a master's degree, okay? And we're all here, you know, we're all still needing to cut bread. Um, and so just being able to not be afraid to ask for help and being honest with yourself about why you're pursuing what you're pursuing Hmm. and what it's going to require you to find some some form of contentment in in the process when things when things get hard even like thankfully i made it out of those three months and now i'm like i feel finally i'm on track on doing the things that i actually I feel that I, I need I like I need and want to be investing my time in, but also understanding that that's also not always going to be peachy. That's not always going to be like super smooth either. But having this mentality of like, like I'm not afraid to let you know I need help or support, but then I'm also coming with this very growth mindset of not every failure is the end end all be all mm-hmm. you know like so that growth mindset of everything I do is helping me to be a better version of myself um has been things that I've I I have and I continue to cultivate on a daily basis to just like help me like get through get through a day get through a week or like you know I I, as I approach 30, it's a, it, it is a little scary, but I'm also like, I, I also am not, I'm also, I, well, I can't fight it, but I'm also not running from it, you know, maybe, maybe I've already had my, cri- my midlife crisis and now I've, <laughs> now I can like, you know, 
look look forward in a in a in a positive and a happy way. But yeah, I think it's important to just remember that yeah, not everybody has the same is not everyone is built like you and you are also not built like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so like it's it's important for you to find what a growth mindset looks like in your own life and in your own situation. And when times get tough or even before times get tough, um, like not being afraid to ask for help because when we are capable of doing that, we're then shedding ourselves of our own egos. And then we're able to like allow ourselves to learn, to, to, to learn more about ourselves and to learn like what is it actually gonna take me as an individual to get and make the leap that I want and that I feel that I might not be capable or that I might be like keeping myself from, hmm. from doing. So yeah. Hmm. That was, I mean, unscripted, but also brilliant. So thank you for that answer. And it makes a lot of sense. And I'm confident that throughout the episodes of this podcast, people are picking up some of that. Like, yeah, like we're just built differently. There's some skills, there's some things that are innate. There's some like resilience or anti-fragility. We'll talk about that another time. And 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 it can be cultivated. Like I, I think that's really encouraging for some folks to hear that it's not like I'm missing a gene or I'm missing something. I'm missing that entrepreneurial spirit, that like risk averseness. It, there, there are things that can be cultivated. So this yeah. makes a lot of sense. And I'm also very glad that you like the show title. Yeah. You know, I got some good feedback. So, so one person said, it's morbid, but I love it. And I was like, see, no. just wait until, just wait, just wait till you hear all. It make, yeah, it makes <laughs> me think, actually, which I should revive and update, but it makes me think of uh, this blog post that uh, I wrote called basically a hundred a hundred things to do before you go you know like basically my life list instead of mm. a bucket list. Mm-hmm. you know um take nothing when i die in in the sense of like you know instead of instead of living for a bucket list how about we live for having a life list like what's what's on this list what's on this list for life that we want to achieve you know like leaving yes. dc that was hard. I got really comfortable. I, like, I mean, I, yeah, it was just hard. It was hard, and I, I gave up a lot because for whatever crazy reason, I had this thought in my head, and it also helped. Anyways, I had a thought, I had this thought in my head that, like, there's something, there's another place I need to explore that's not mm-hmm. here. And, unfortunately, leaving this place that I've grown to call home and that I that I know how to navigate the, the different spaces leaving this place would mean like a lot of uncertainty a lot of risk and like a huge possibility of failure yeah that's not easy especially if a lot of our friends that we know they're you know also very like type a <laughs> like look I can't Have be taking know. off too much Right, Plan. I can't be taking on too much risk. Yes. Like um, yes. So I get it. I totally get it. Um, but again, to the point of like, you know, 
not everybody's built like you. And so understanding what it is about you and about that growth mindset that you need to cultivate to get you to the, the place that you want to be is, is, mm. is most important. All right, bring us home. Last question is related to the topic, the, the title, sorry, title of the podcast, Take Nothing When I Die. So there's definitely an origin story there. But I also was really inspired by this quote that I read from Les Brown. And so the quote says, the graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is here that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid mm -hmm. to take the first step, keep with the problem, or determine to carry out their dream. So when you think about most Ooh, expensive... Oh yeah, okay, let's pause. Pause for dramatic effect. Graveyard is the richest place on the earth. We don't want to take anything when we die. We can't take anything when we die. So for you and for our listeners, what's the most expensive piece of advice or wisdom that you don't want to take with you to the graveyard? And it can be expensive in any way that makes sense to you. Expensive, like, because you paid a lot of money for it or paid something else for it, or like it was an expensive mistake to make. Whatever expensive means to you, what do you not want to take with you to the graveyard? Wow, these are some hard-hitting questions. Um, you know, I come with the real. Like, I, you know, I know. this is how I roll. I feel like I'm on a, uh, what's a, a Diane Sawyer interview or something. You know, you know, you got a point. I thought you were going to say Super Soul Sunday, but <laughs> I love asking questions. I'm, like, really curious. I'm a facilitator. I'm a coach. Like, I think questions are in my in my composition and so and they're like i don't do the like surface you know you know me i'm like no. tell me tell me the deepest darkest give give me the whole thing um what is the truth what is the truth what is the truth but yes yes uh, wow that's I, I really have to think about that one um so i have african parents <laughs> mariel is african uh, y'all not a like <laughs> surprise Okay. So they're like, you know, they're constantly always throwing some something crazy out about something crazy. And so I'm trying to like think, think back on like some lessons that I thought that they told me was crazy until I became an adult and I came across them. I'm like, oh, maybe they're not they necessarily crazy. They yeah, so I think one I'm, I'll probably take from them would be this idea of friends, right? I'm just gonna, I, so I, I, it's not gonna sound very articulate because it's not like a nice clean quote, but like this idea that like basically be, <sighs> I, I, I guess I struggle to say because like I, I'm so, fully understanding what that looks like for me because I, I take pieces of it but then also I challenge parts of it but this idea of like you know in, in simple terms like be careful with who you choose as friends hmm. you know because um you can have like 
lots of friends but when when you know times times get tougher like when when you don't have anything to contribute or give to them like they can wash their hands of you mm. um and I think part of my journey has also kind of like forced me to face like who who are those friends that like no matter what you know no matter what I can count on my corner you know whether it's like words of encouragement or just like their time to hear my bullshit <laughs> or even if it's like like within like a monetary um, piece of it but really it's easy when things are really good to have a lot of people around you and like you know wanting to be in your life so when when you're down and out I don't know those those same people might not always be around so it's important to really value and I think it goes to my second point that I was my second point which I wanted it to be my first point but in a strange way tying in which feeds into my second point of like valuing the time and making time with the people and the loved ones that you have in your life because I think that's also a lot of things that we as people take for granted especially now with with the age of digital right it's so easy to feel like Oh, I, I caught up with this person the other day. They're doing fine, but it's like, when did you actually really like jump on the on a phone with them or like shoot them a note to check on them and just ask them simply, "Are you doing okay?" And so, really valuing those moments with with people who who mean I wouldn't say who mean something to you, but I I don't think that's like even it doesn't even like it's not even the right I don't know it doesn't fully encompass what I want to say but it's like making time and appreciating the time and making memories with folks that you love hmm. and that love you no matter remove all like material things that will always like want the best for you right and and be real with you even if it even if it means like telling you about yourself you know mm -hmm. and i'm grateful to know i have that like within my family in the form of my siblings but then also within like a close unit of friends um you included stephanie uh, but i don't know if it's just like me coming into again like as i approach like the end of a decade and the start of a new one and just maybe just me naturally being a reflective individual but these are things and questions that I, and reflections that i keep i keep revisiting uh, today and as as i continue my career transition and having gone through this most recent one it's something that i as a it, it, to respond to your question is i think about you know when i am in the graveyard this is my hope for folks to like be wealthy and knowing that hey recognize the people in your lives who actually mean something and actually want the best for you no matter what no matter what you're doing for work no matter how much you're earning as an income 
or where you're living. Like always, always keep those people dear to your heart and always make sure you're there for them as much as they are, are there for you as well. You know, like uh, that's why it's called a relationship. You know, it's, it's not always meant to be easy, but it's meant to be um, fulfilling and it's meant to be like uplifting for everyone involved and not, not a draining process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You heard it here first. Mario's most expensive piece of advice Ooh, came in the form. <laughs> Proverbs from his parents turn life lessons. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been such a pleasure. I love talking to you. I love the wisdom that you shared with us. Thank you for sharing parts of your story. And let people know, like, where can they find you on the interwebs? Like, where do you play? Where can people see you, say, hey, send you a, a, a note, a love note, a wish, a desire? Yeah. So where, where are you at on the interweb, on the interwebs? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm just going to throw out one handle where you can find all the other <laughs> handles. <laughs> Make it simple. Uh, Keep it simple for these folks. Yeah, for on both Insta IG, Instagram, and uh, Twitter, uh, you can find me at mkanene. Uh, oh, we're MK. Kanene now. Okay, we're Kanene. Okay. <laughs> All right, Kanene. <laughs> it's uh, M-K-A-N-E-N-E. -N -E. Um, yep, uh, that's on all platforms. Yes, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, you can connect with me and my other endeavors that I'm doing, whether it's Gym with MK or The Art of Perspective or Ubongo as well. You can find it all there. Um, and Stephanie, I just want to say thank you so much for creating this space for us to share some wisdom and even reflect as we're talking. I, I think I answered some questions that I haven't, I mean, I've thought through and that I've like journaled about, but I haven't actually had the opportunity to speak it out loud. And so thank you for continuing to do the good work that you're doing and providing space for me and others like me uh, to speak their truth and uh, to, to um, find some validation on living a life with purpose, how we see it. So. Yes. Thank you. I received that and I appreciate you as well. I will make sure all of your contact information gets onto the show notes so people know where to find you. Um, and when this episode airs, of course, it will be blasted on all the, all the platforms. All right, y'all. So you know those people who just drop a ton of knowledge and then at the end they're like, I was rambling. Hope you understood. I don't know if it makes sense. And you're like, yeah, of course it makes sense. I get it. That was fire. That is Marielle. This whole interview has so much wisdom that he shared, but I'm still sitting with this take nothing when I die takeaway. Marielle said, not everyone is built like you and you are not built like everyone else. Find out what a growth mindset looks like in your own situation. And so I would encourage y'all to take his words quite literally. We are in trying times. We always have been, and we probably will face more in the future. As you think about your endeavors, your relationships, your career, your side hustle, 
your role in your own life and other people's lives. Just know not everyone is built like you and you are not built like everyone else. Now, I promised y'all have a travel update. As you know from our conversation, I have promised in 2020 that I would be making some changes when it comes to travel. And I have. It's really funny that a lot of my travel has actually gotten canceled recently. Um, so I won't get a chance to practice right away, but I was just getting my routine down. The number one thing that I feel like has helped with my travel is to really shift how I enter into whatever place I'm going to sleep, right? So like whenever I'm traveling, I'm trying to make that place more like home and develop rituals or signals that tell my body that I'm at ease, that I can rest, that I can find peace, that I'm comfortable. So what I've done is I've had to update my travel necessities. And so I'm telling y'all, I am that person. I need to bring my own pillowcase. It brings me comfort. It smells familiar. Sometimes I even bring like a little satchel of lavender or rose that I'll put under or in my pillow because I need that. My, it's a signal to my nose, to my head, to my body, to my brain that I might be close to home. Also, another thing that's been added to my travel kit, and again, shout out to Ioka, who we, we, we had a full out discussion about this. She will get linked in the show notes. I also have started to bring a portable speaker. And for me, music is everything. So music before I go to bed, music when I wake up, music when I'm getting ready, it has really shifted. It makes me feel somewhat like I'm at home. So I hope those travel tips and that travel update blesses you. It is that time to wrap it up though, folks. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. When you subscribe on your platform of choice, the episodes automatically upload or download actually, and they upload onto your library. As you know, we added iHeartRadio. So very excited about that. So if that's a place where you check out music, go ahead and check out the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. And we're building community in so many ways. Please join us. Again, find us on Twitter at TNWID. And on IG, we are Take Nothing When I Die, all spelled out. We've got the Patreon community going. So if you like visuals, if you want more tidbits, if you want to ask questions in a smaller arena, please come through. We also take support through donations. You can find us on Venmo, Cash App, PayPal. That supports producing this podcast as well as my own coaching and consulting work. And that is all I have for y'all today. I'm going to sign off. Again, this is your host, Stephanie Ghostin-Paul for the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. And I am just leaving y'all with your episodic reminder that you are a living ancestor. Take care and we can't wait to hear from you.